Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. That's one of the reasons that this next depression, as far as the impact that it has on the living standards of the average American, this one will be much more profound in the way it affects people's lives, in the way people's standard of living will be diminished uh, during this depression. Well, hello again, and this is your host, John Aiden Byrne. And you've just been listening there to my interview with American economist, author, and media personality, Peter Schiff, and Peter's predictions for the world economy generally, and the US more specifically. And it's not pretty. In fact, there's a massive Great Depression coming, at least in the US, according to Peter. But Europe won't escape this financial pain. Sovereign debt, global debt, consumer debt, student debt, corporate debt, it's all piling up. According to an estimate this year by the Institute of International Finance, the world's debt mountain is rising, hitting 246.5 trillion quite recently. Now, while various agencies may quibble on the exact figure, give or take a billion here, a trillion there, few dispute that global and sovereign debt is skyrocketing. Total debt in the US alone is now over 22 trillion. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Now, here's how The Economist Peter Schiff, who is also CEO of Euro-Pacific Capital, sees the global economy and America's financial affairs and why a massive recession could be terribly painful yet financially liberating because it will presumably cleanse the toxic financial system worldwide and start the process all over anew with a clean build of health for economies. Well, I guess we're getting closer to doomsday. You know, there's a limit to uh, how long they can keep kicking the can down the road. But the fact that we now have negative interest rates, you know, even nominally, forget about negative when you adjust it for inflation, you know, negative real rates. We've had that for a while. But to actually have negative nominal rates really shows you the extremes to which we've gone to try to prevent this debt bubble from imploding. But, you know, the longer we're able to succeed in postponing the day of reckoning, the bigger the problem becomes that we ultimately will have to reckon with. Well, you know, you listen to commentators on TV and the Fed and Donald Trump and economists, and they keep talking about, you know, the economy is a bit slow in terms of growth, but employment numbers are great, uh, consumers are buying, um, and so on, as if there is no problems out there. This is just um, a temporary thing, so let's lower rates. Well, first of all, at least in the U.S., consumers are buying because they're borrowing. So, I mean, that's not healthy when consumers are just going deeper into debt to buy more things that they can't afford. That's a bubble. That's not economic growth. You know, Trump called it a bubble when he was a candidate. And so now all of a sudden he thinks it's legitimate economic growth just because he's the president. Uh, but that doesn't change the nature of what's been going on. And this is a bubble. 
and it's being inflated by artificially low interest rates. And it's not just here in the U.S. It's all around the world where interest rates need to go much higher. But you have central banks committed to keeping them low because they think that low interest rates is what the economies need. But they don't. They actually need higher interest rates. Uh, and so the longer rates are kept low, the, the bigger the problems that low interest rates cause you know, become. And I'm talking about artificially low interest rates. I, I've got no problem with interest rates that are low because of market forces. It's when central banks manipulate them and artificially suppress them. We spoke for a story uh, last year, and you said that the depression that was coming would be worse than the Great Depression. Uh, that you create major problems, and that's what's been happening. Well, for the United States, certainly. I mean, uh, I mean, and the Great Depression was 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 difficult, uh, to say the least. But what made the Great Depression great, in fact, what even made it a depression as opposed to a recession was government intervention. It began with Hoover, but then continued uh, with Roosevelt. The government refused to allow the market to rebalance the economy, and they kept intervening in ways that exacerbated the, the problems. And so we didn't actually emerge from the Depression until the end of the Second World War, when we finally demobilized all those troops and the government reduced spending, and that is ultimately what uh, relieved the economy. And we, we finally... Uh, began to grow. But, you know, unfortunately, we still had a lot of the uh, Depression era and World War II era taxes and regulations and programs. And so that became a permanent drag on the economy uh, going forward. We'd have a much stronger economy today if we didn't have all those taxes and programs that were instituted during the Depression and then during the Second World War. But, you know, one of the things that helped to mitigate the severity of the recession was that at least there was a decline in the price of consumer goods. Uh, food went, got less expensive, and you know, people's, you know, people's costs went down. So uh, that took the sting out of uh, the fact that you lost your job because, well, at least you know, your cost of living went down. But I think what's going to be particularly uh, uh, you know, troubling about this next reset depression is that the opposite is going to happen. The cost of living is going to go way up. It, there's going to be an inflationary uh, depression. And so, it, you know, the average guy is going to get hit. It's a, it's a double whammy. You know, he loses his job uh, and, uh, you know, his grocery bill goes way up. When do you see that coming? Well, you know, it's long overdue. So, you know, it's going to happen very abruptly when it does. I do think that we're entering the beginning of this depression. Uh, we've probably been in it for a while. And, you know, but, you know, you, people just don't see it by the numbers. But I think the next official recession is going to begin, and, 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 and when it begins, I, I don't know when it's going to end, because it'll, it'll just keep getting worse. But if um, Trump gets blamed on, you know, if, or if, if the Republicans and Trump end up getting blamed by voters for this recession, which they very likely will, and we end up with a socialist-type uh, president, with Elizabeth Warren, you know, somebody like that, uh, it can happen very soon. Because the budget deficits, which are already at record highs under Trump, you know, we're running larger deficits every year now than we did Obama was president. Even during the Great Recession, the budget deficits are larger today. The, the, you know, uh, so if we end up going to you know two, three trillion a year deficits, maybe even more. Uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, the bottom's going to fall out of the dollar, and and then you know prices go way up. I mean, what's keeping prices down in the U.S. 
is the overvalued dollar. And the overvalued dollar is a function uh, you know, of the rest of the world keeping interest rates even lower, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of the major economies, but of the, the dollar still functioning as the reserve currency. I don't, I don't see the dollar you know, being able to function in that capacity much longer. So next I asked Peter to spell out the dreadful debt numbers for the U.S. Yeah, well, it's actually, in the U.S., it's actually $22.6 trillion is the most recent number. Um, but again, that's just the, the, the funded debt. That's where the government has sold the bond. But if you look at all of the obligations that the U.S. government has committed to, you're not talking about, um, you know, $22 trillion. You're talking about over $100 trillion of liabilities that are, uh, you know, the U.S. government has committed to. You, you know, you ha- you ha- there's also more obligations of the state governments and, you know, the municipal government. So there's so much debt uh, that ultimately is never going to get repaid. It's impossible to do that. So the only question is, how and when do we default? And, and, and what form does that default take? How did we accumulate so much global debt uh, since the, we're up 100 trillion? Well, it's not just the U.S. that's been going into debt. Uh, you have governments all around the world that are reluctant to raise taxes to fund government spending. And so they, they just do it by creating money out of thin air, or, you know, and, then have, and then the central banks monetize the debt. So the inflation problem is not unique to America. It's, it's, it's worldwide. Now, time for some history. How exactly did the Great Depression, triggered according to many historical accounts, by the 1929 stock market crash actually occur. Here's Peter Schiff's analysis. Well, the Depression was triggered by the adjustment. The the Federal Reserve kept interest rates much too low, particularly during the second half of the 1920s. Mm -hmm. And then they normalized interest rates. They raised them back up after having kept them artificially low. And they pricked the bubble that they had inflated in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And when the stock market crashed, that brought about a recession. You know, much the way you know stock market crashes have brought about recessions. You know, more recently, like 2008. But there, it wasn't just the stock market; it was the real estate market. But that was also impacted because a lot of people were using the cheap credit in the 1920s to to buy real estate. You had asset bubbles that were a byproduct of artificially low interest rates, and those bubbles popped. And that caused a recession. What made it a depression was the way Roosevelt interfered with the economy to try to you know, ease the pain of the recession. But of course, whenever the government does that, they just make the pain worse. And that's what they did. And then Roosevelt was initially very critical of the things that uh, Hoover was doing. And he was elected to reverse those policies. But instead, the minute Roosevelt became elected, he just basically took the Hoover playbook and expanded on it. And he did everything Hoover was doing, only bigger. And so he created even more problems than the ones that Hoover were creating. And that's why, you know, the reset, the Depression lasted as long as it did. But, you know, that the, the, the governments, the politicians are making things much worse. And their, their only cure is to make the underlying disease even worse. Right? That's it. I mean, it's like, you know, you're a drug addict. And every time you start having withdrawal, they say, well, you need more drugs. You know, that's their solution. What's different between with the Great Depression and today? Is it monetary policy? We keep getting into, you know, refueling the economy, no. issuing more debt, quantitative yeah, easing. 
the U.S. economy was in much better shape, you know, leading into the Depression, the Great Depression. Than it is today? Much better. I mean, we had a much sounder economy, and we had a tiny government. I mean, when the, we went into the Depression, government spending on all levels was maybe 4% of GDP, uh-huh. and that was it. And, uh-huh. you know, by the time, uh, you know, Roosevelt left office, I mean, we had got, you know, doubled government spending to 8%, but now it's like 40% already. I mean, so it's... Uh-huh. So it also did the era of big government, the, the Great Depression. We already have big government. We have enormous government. Uh, and of course, you know, the U.S. government didn't have any debt back then. I mean, now, you know, we have trillions and trillions of debt. The U.S., you know, we, we, we had a, a huge, we were a manufacturing economy back then. We were on a gold standard. We had real money. You know, so very, very different. So that's one of the reasons that this next depression, as far as the impact that it has on the living standards of the average American, This one will be much more profound in the way it affects people's lives, in the way people's standard of living will be diminished uh, during this depression. And will it affect all parts of the world, from the U.S. to Europe? And it, it will, but it will actually liberate. It will actually affect many parts of the world in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I think that's what will be different about the last depression, which kind of affected the whole world. I think this is going to affect certain parts of the world, but the other, at the same time, other parts of the world are going to see a, a, you know, a positive outcome, but not, not globally, not, not, not globally. No. So, uh, because, you know, I think that, I think that the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency has been a destabilizing force in the global economy. And I think that in order to preserve the dollar's role as the reserve currency, we've corrupted the monetary policies of a lot of other central banks particularly in the emerging economies. So I think once the world jettisons the dollar and we go back to a sounder... We hit a major recession. Typically, jobs are lost. People are foreclosed in their homes. It's painful. So can you put any projections on the kind of unemployment in the U.S. and Europe and elsewhere? Well, unemployment's going to pick up. I mean, it's going to go a lot higher. A lot of it depends on how the government reacts to it. Uh, inflation is going to pick up dramatically. I mean, that's that's for sure as they try to monetize all this and the government tries to artificially stimulate the economy by creating more money, but that's actually what's been sedating the economy all along. So when you say inflation, you're going to have double-digit double inflation? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, the question is, though, will the, the official measures actually reflect that or not? It's, it's hard to say because those measures are so inaccurate. And what they actually do is they grossly understate the degree to which prices are rising. So I guess you're talking so, about hyper... Whatever the official rate is, the actual rate is going to be much, much higher. See, we're talking about hyperinflation, it sounds like. Well, that's a worst-case scenario. We can certainly go through that in the United States. It all depends on, again, on what the Federal Reserve does. I mean, if the Federal Reserve mm. acts properly, eventually, we could avert hyperinflation. But the only way to do that is to have a much worse financial crisis than the one we had in 2008. I mean, we have to deal with the problem. We can't kick the can down the road anymore. Because that's what, you know, that's what creates the hyperinflation. Uh-huh. So in terms of unemployment numbers, would we have double-digit unemployment in the U.S. and Europe? We could. Again, it depends on what government does to prevent people from getting jobs. I mean, uh-huh. you know, whenever you have a lot of unemployment, it's usually some government program or government law that is the reason for that situation. Because people need to work. Uh-huh. And in a free market, there'll be jobs. Uh-huh. Uh, but when you have unemployed people, it's because the government has somehow interfered in the, in the free market 
to create a barrier between people who want jobs and people who would be supplying them. So what then happens, Peter? In the market, there is no barrier. I mean, everybody will have a job. It's just a question of at what wage, you know. So, so okay, explain how the debt gets paid off then long term, the global debt well, and the US. It doesn't get paid off. It doesn't. It gets defaulted on. Mm-hmm. So, there's, so there's two ways that we could default. There's the honest way where we simply tell the people that own the bonds, you're not getting your money. Right? And those bondholders are big. Who are they? They're institutional investors? China? Yeah. Well, we just tell the Chinese, look, you're not getting your money. You know, you have a trillion dollars worth of treasuries. Either the U.S. Treasury says, look, you're getting zero. We're just defaulting. And getting but won't the Chinese re- retaliate with some kind of measures? Well, what are they going to do? I mean, they, I mean, we don't, I mean, they, we don't owe, they don't, we don't owe them any money. They, I mean, they don't owe, you know, yeah. they don't owe, I mean, rather so. I mean, but, um, look, maybe we'll tell everybody, look, we're going to give you 20 cents on the dollar. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. there's no yeah. way we could pay the debt. And if we let interest rates go up, there's no way we can service the debt. Yeah. Now, one thing we could do is we could just extend the maturities. We could say, okay, yeah. uh, you own a, uh, you own a two year uh, treasury. Well, we're going to give you your money back, but not in two years, in a hundred years. Uh-huh. <laughs> and meanwhile, the coupon stays the same. So you bought a coupon with 1%, well, you're going to get 1% for the next hundred years, right? Or something like that. Who the hell knows? But there has to be some way to restructure it. But the other way that we default is that we just print money. And so we give China back their money. Oh, we, you know, here, here's your trillion dollars right here, China. You know, here's a trillion dollar bill. Go have a, you know, go try to spend it. Try to buy yourself something. We can create money out of thin air and just destroy the value of it. It's all a bunch of nonsense. I mean, these idiots don't understand that the only reason college is so expensive is because of government programs. The government, you know, before the government had any involvement in college, before there were any government aid, any loans, any scholarships, any guaranteed loans, you know, prior to the 1960s, college was not very expensive. You know, mm. nobody had to borrow money to go to college, mm. right? Mm. Either your parents paid for it, which wasn't that hard to do, or if your parents were poor, then you got a job, mm. and then you, you worked your way through college. It was easy to do. That's what my father did. My father worked his way through college, but he didn't graduate with any debt, you know, and he graduated in four years. It wasn't like the job that he had prevented him from graduating in four years. But the government came in, and they said, oh, we're going to make it easier for people to go to college. And as a result, colleges have cost a fortune now. It's all because of government. Government completely destroyed higher education. And so now these clowns want to just get government even more involved. They don't understand that the solution is to get government out of education, particularly out of secondary education. No more grants, no more loans, no more guarantees. And then the cost of college will collapse. Tuition will come down and then people won't need the aid anymore. What's your view in Europe? Um, uh, where are the hot spots there? Uh, at the last great recession, uh, Greece was in trouble. Italy was in trouble. Ireland had to be bailed out. Yeah, I mean, it won't be a key number because a lot of these banks and a lot of these you know, financial institutions were loaded up on U.S. mortgages that went bad. Mm. So the only debt that they have that will go bad this time is U.S. treasuries. And, you know, it might not go bad because it just might collapse due to inflation. But that, that won't affect uh, the rest of the world the same way because the dollar is going to be falling. And what really hurt the global economy was the strong dollar. Well, when the dollar collapses, it'll be a relief for the global economy. Um, what's your view on when we have these economic situations in turmoil 
um, it creates a political vacuum. Are we seeing the rise of social extremism now? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, this next downturn is going to be so severe. And if it starts before the 2020 election, which it very well could, uh, it's all going to get blamed on Republicans, Trump, tax cuts, deregulation. And that's going to present an opportunity for the socialists to really gain a strong you know, foothold uh, in the United States. Because the public is going to blame capitalism, which, of course, is wrong, but, you know, the voters typically are. And this is going to really be a problem because the government is going to seize on this opportunity to get much bigger, much more powerful. And that means the economy is going to be much weaker and the standard of living of the citizens much lower. What's your take on Trump's economic policy policies and his leadership? He's been calling on the Fed to reduce rates. He has in these tariff wars. Um, and then on the yeah, other, well, it's misguided. I mean, the Fed should be calling on Trump to reduce the size of government spending. That is the problem. It's government spending going up. Yeah, Trump's Trump's economic policies are the same as prior presidents. Just run huge deficits. You know, and he just wants the Fed to monetize them. The deficits are so big that you know he knows that we can't afford them, and so he wants the Fed to just create money and buy up the bonds. I mean, that's business as usual. You know, he was elected to drain the swamp, not make it deeper, but that's what he's doing. You know, he's not, he's not changing anything. He's just simply le- leading us, uh, you know, down the same uh, primrose path uh, to economic ruin. You've been listening to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. To reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities, call 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com.